I want to welcome everyone back to another edition of the Northern Nerdcast, where we do showcase the northern, uh, the geeky, nerdy people, groups, and events that happen in and around the Edmonton area. The Northern Nerdcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Please feel free to head on over to albertapodcastnetwork.com for a list of amazing Alberta-made podcasts. We would also like to encourage everyone out there that if you enjoy this episode, to share it with all your friends on social media. This way, we are able to help grow the community here in Edmonton, Edmonton and keep everyone up to date on the latest news and information regarding the geeky, nerdy people, groups, and events that happen in and around the city of Edmonton. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be featured on our show, please feel free to contact us over at northernnetwork.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Okay, so welcome back to another edition of the Nerdcast. My name is Ben Schessel. And on today's edition of the Nerdcast, we have none other than the greatest producer of all time, Trina Schessel, joining us today. Hello. I'd like to also mention this is episode number 90 of the Nerdcast. 91. 91? Did I miss 90? 90 was the, the Edmonton Expo. No, that was an extra one when we weren't counting. No, the Edmonton Expo won for uh, the interviews. That was an actual real deal oh, episode. I know. I'm like behind on my, my episode numbers here. I know. 91! <laughs> yeah, we've, we've made it up to 91. We're, uh, we're encroaching the, the 100 territory. Are you prepared for 100? Almost. Miss, we're going to have some, some uh, special guests and I was going to say big surprises, but I don't surprise <laughs> <laughs> uh and today joining us as well we have daniel hodges uh say hello hello how's it going everybody all the nude network cast people folks watching or listening awesome uh so today we're going to be talking a little bit about intrigue con uh which is uh like how would you explain this to people I would say it's the uh, it's the best time that you can have between October the 13th and 15th. Uh, that may sound like I'm really narrowing the field there, but there's a surprisingly busy month, October, for stuff going on in, uh, in Edmonton. Um, so I just talk about the thing that I've got going on and just assume that that's the best thing. Um, so it's a role-playing convention, so if you like tabletop games, uh, come down. We've got a pretty diverse uh, lot of games available. We've got some Call of Cthulhu, some Dungeons & Dragons, We've got some independently produced games being played. We've got uh, all sorts of fun stuff. So if you want to uh, dip your toes into role-playing uh, or you want to broaden your role-playing horizons, it's the uh, spot to be. Awesome. So, yeah, like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but we, we're going to change things up here. We usually talk about our week and how things have been. Uh, but we, we decided that we, uh, we need to change this up. So we're going to ask you, What's on your nerd shelf? Now, a lot of people have, like, not, we don't have one here. We have one in the other room. But we always have a, a, a shelf displaying all sorts of our geekiness on those shelves. So we, we just want to find out from, you know, the people who come on our show, like, right. what is some of the things that you have on your shelf? Uh, well, uh, as a child, my brother and I were not to be trusted with uh, valuable things on shelves in our house. So as a consequence, I've never really been much one for, uh, for stuff on the shelf. But the, the one thing that I do have on my uh, shelves, not exactly prominently displayed, um, I've got a basement full of, uh, of role-playing books. But uh, the one thing on my, my shelf I have is a jar full of, uh, a jar full of dice. And uh, specifically, um, when I was probably about 11, I suppose, uh, I discovered Dungeons and Dragons, or Traveler. It was was the first game that I played, and uh, the first uh, the first real piece of role playing type stuff that I got was a set of dice that my mother uh, that my mother got for me. Um, now it might seem like you know just a set of dice that's that's great, but but you need to understand that I lived in a town where there were probably about three thousand people, maybe four thousand people in the greater area. So it was virtually impossible to get anything to do with Dungeons and Dragons anywhere around there. 
Um, and then you also need to understand this was 1984. So there might have been like computers that were networked up for the purposes of blowing up the Russians, but the regular person on the street did not have access to these uh, things. So um, my mother had no idea where to go. Uh, I had one uh, book that my great aunt, who in the many of the best, uh, in the best uh, possible intention, she bought me a Dungeons and Dragons book, but it turned out to be a cheap knockoff, somebody trying to make some extra money from Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> but I sent her along with the book because coming out of the eye sockets of the, the dragon, which is on the front of the book, were a whole bunch of dice. So she took this dice to the nearest uh, large, this uh, book, sorry, to the, uh, the closest large city and went around all these various shops holding up this book with pictures of dice coming out of the dragon's eyes and got strange looks from 99% of the people. But eventually, uh, she managed to find a uh, very small and, even in those days, sweaty and smelly shop um, that had a whole bunch of role players in it, and she managed to get me some uh, some dice. So these here are my uh, these here are my things on my shop. I got my my little dice. You probably can't really see them. They're not very well produced. I'm sure the uh, the game science man uh, would have some things to say about how accurate they were. But there's a there's a postscript to the story because as you can see, back in those days. Uh, there was no D6 that came with it, but you couldn't play without a D20. You notice there's no D20 in it. So somewhere during my role-playing career, I uh, managed to lose my D20. And, I, and I, I'm not really sentimental, but it, because it was the first piece of real serious role-playing stuff that I had, I always was sad that I didn't have it. And I was looking, always, I looked for it everywhere. As you can tell, I'm actually not from Canada. So uh, there was a move, an international move in there somewhere. So yeah. I, don't know, I don't know what happened to it. So it's very sad to uh, lose it. But um, I'm pretty uh, ODD, I guess, uh, not ODD, ADD, ODD, operational defiance. No, I, I don't tell people to get lost all the time. Um, uh, so so I, I, I try to, I sort of compulsively check um, uh, uh, auction sites. And one of the auction sites I check is a, is a New Zealand auction site, um, specifically for, um, you know, like for role-playing books that come up. They tend to be cheap there sometimes. But one day there was a, uh, there was a basic Dungeons & Dragons auction up um, and this is we, we've got the Dungeons and Dragons auction, um, but it doesn't have the original dice with it. And uh, so I, I, I looked at the what you have, you know, how you click the pictures and they've got a picture of the box and a picture of it. And then sure enough, they had these dice <laughs> along with the uh, along with the box. So I managed to complete my set. You'll see there, I've got <laughs> the twenty-sided dice pack. So it only took me about twenty years. But anyway, that's my. Uh, that's my favorite item I've got on my uh, dice shop. It reminds me that while most mothers were uh, telling their children that playing Dungeons and Dragons was basically the same thing as cavorting with the devil, my mother went to a faraway place and uh, spent a good part of her holiday trying to find a shop that sold those dice. So that's my favorite thing on my geek shop. That's wow. that's a great mom right there. That's that's a great uh, that's a great story. Uh, I know for. For me, when I was growing up, uh, I th I'm pretty sure I've, I've said this a few times, but we, we had the mom that was always like, yeah, that's the devil's work. Uh, so we were never allowed to play uh, uh, RPGs when we were, when we were kids because, yeah, we were, we were told that it was of the devil. Um, not so much anymore. We're, we're good to go no, now. No, it's um, cool now. Yeah, she doesn't, get to, she, she doesn't get to say what I, I get to do now. Uh, but we do have a, a comment in our, our uh, live chat here as well, and uh, it's from Adam Turtle, uh, and he says, your mom's awesome. My mom is awesome, yeah, because uh, there's, there's, a, there's a second part of that story, much shorter though, which is that uh, back in those days, because I couldn't get the books and also the dice, um, uh, a friend of mine had a copy of a book, and so uh, she, with the school at the time had just got a photocopy of these newfangled photocopies. So she went along with the book, to the secretary and, and said, um, uh, would you be able to photocopy this for my son? Because she didn't know how to work it. And to, even today, she's mystified by technology. Um, and so in another illustration of how awesome she is, when the, the secretary recoiled and said, I will not have that book anywhere near me or near my office or near my photocopier. Get that away from me. That's not even an exaggeration. Uh, she went in there and learned how to use the photocopier so that she could photocopy the uh, the book for me. So that's the second illustration of uh, of how great my mum is. So yes, very supportive. That's incredible. Uh, so for us uh, on our on my geek shelf, uh, I played 
I didn't get to play so many RPGs when I was growing up, like I said earlier. Um, but I did get to play a lot of video games. Uh, now, I my first console that I ever had was uh, just the the regular old NES. We did we did have an Atari in the house, but that wasn't mine, right? That was my dad's. So for me, the Nintendo was the thing that I had when I was growing up, for the most part, uh, and I loved that thing to death. But I also have this one as well, which is this the Super Nintendo. Um, I'm pretty sure we tried to sell it at one point, uh, but this is our original Super Nintendo that we had uh, in our house. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing this one up is because this week I was I managed to actually get one of these nice little mini ones, um, and. No, no, I Trina was able to Trina go. got me <laughs> the nice little mini. I should clarify um, <sighs> that I do have the greatest producer again. I'm sorry, Dr. Dre. Uh, <laughs> she is because I mean, really, this thing is HDMI. It goes straight to the TV. It works beautiful. It looks amazing, and it and the controllers are just exactly the way you would remember it when when you were a kid. See now. I, my mother was the one that didn't let me have video games because, you know, those will wreck your eyes and ruin the TV and everything. So that was... That was the system that you wanted. That was the system I always wanted to play and only had to go to my friends' houses to play. So, so what was your game? I didn't mind Legend of Zelda and Mario. Yeah. All the Mario games. I, I the closest I came to Nintendo was I think uh, was like the twenty six no it was an Atari twenty six hundred I think with that mm -hmm. had uh, Space Invaders and, and stuff like that and I think the next thing I ever after that was a Commodore sixty four so not a lot of Nintendo going on in uh, my house oh I had a Space Invaders calculator if there are any really really old li listeners out there the Space Invaders calculator was uh, was awesome Where yeah, oh, for sure. <laughs> It's probably no. an emulator somewhere out there, but seriously, it was a calculator you could play Space Invaders on. It was a, it was a game on there, as well as having calculating functions. I was, I was only allowed to have a Game Boy. That's all I got to have. That's there pretty good, though. There was a lot of Tetris in my childhood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Game Boy sounds like luxury. So, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, so like I said, we got the, the Nintendo, which was awesome. I've, I've been playing a, quite a bit of it, and uh, I do have some other notes I had. Oh, and I'd, I'd also want to mention that this week we had our official kickoff for the Alberta Podcast Network, uh, which was held over at uh, CKUA this week. Uh, and I think roughly, what did you say, how many people showed up to this thing? 120 or something. Yeah, there's quite a few people uh, that came out to check out the different various podcasts that are part of the network. Um, it was great to meet a lot of people uh, that that showed up to the to the event uh it was and uh you can find all the alberta podcast network podcasts on the ckua app now which is also pretty exciting so oh, nice yeah so if you if you go out there like i should probably mention this if you go i think it's on any android or ios uh download the ckua app and uh we're we're in there so yeah that's pretty awesome mm. uh tell your friends <laughs> um yeah, so that was awesome. It was it was a little bit weird for us because we're not used to parties where, like, we'll have a drink and then once we're done the drink, someone comes around and takes your drink from you. Takes a glass, yeah. Yeah, it was or, a fancy party. It was a pretty Classy, fancy party. Yeah, yeah it was fancy. Uh, so yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely something that I'm not used to, but yeah, it was fun. It was nice to nice to go out and and check that out. Uh, I want to send out a big thank to you to Karen Unlin from. Uh, for uh, putting this all together, she she did the whole party with uh, Katrina. Yeah, and I don't remember her last name. Sorry, but she's done a lot of work as well. Yeah, and uh, just the whole podcast network thing has been just an amazing experience so far. So yeah, thank you, uh, Karen Unlin, for that. Uh, so right now, I think we're just going to take a, a quick break uh, for our first ad spot, uh, and. Uh, We'll, we'll continue on with the show after that. Hey, Dan, did you know this month's sponsor is the Edmonton Community Foundation? I did, but sadly, I don't know too much about them. 
Well, the ECF, or the Edmonton Community Foundation, essentially acts as a bridge between donors and charities to help create a strong, vibrant community within the Edmonton area. Not only that, the EDC also produces a podcast called the Well Endowed Podcast. The show's main focus is to help potential donors set up endowment funds to support good works in our community. Oh, that sounds incredible. Yeah, and October's podcast features George Takai from Star, Star Trek fame. He is um, going to be speaking a little bit about his memories of life in a Japanese-American internment camp during World War II, becoming an activist, coming out in Hollywood, and he also takes some caller questions. Um, Mr. Takai will be presenting his talk, 80 Years of Wisdom, at the Shock Conference Center on Wednesday, November 29th part of the forward-thinking speaker series presented by Edmonton Public Library and the Edmonton Community Foundation. If you want to buy tickets, you can check out the uh, Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org or the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com or you can find them on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play. Thank you, Gina. I think I will. All right, so today we have Daniel Hodges on the show with us, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Intrigue Con that's coming up here. It's like almost right away. Like yeah, two, 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 uh, two for, well, you've got this Friday, and then the following Friday is the one. So it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Not quite wow. two weeks. So yeah, super quick. So uh, let's just talk about um, sort of where this idea even came from. I know we've had you on the show before, but for people who haven't uh, listened to the earlier episode, how about we go for that? All right, sure. Well, uh, I've been to uh, I've been to a few conventions previous to our first convention, which was in 2013. Uh, and being here in, in Edmonton, it's a good long way to go to any kind of convention. So by the time you've sort of traveled the thousands of kilometers to one of the big ones, like if you were to go to, say, for example, Gen Con or Origins, both sort of in the, uh, the Midwest or... or uh, whatever the proper word for the Chicago um, area is, um, you would spend thousands and thousands of dollars. So we sort of thought to ourselves, well, you know, there's a community league hall here and uh, we've got some willing. So we just thought, well, how about we just put one on? You know, we'll just we'll just hire the hall and then we'll just, we'll just do that. And nobody said, that sounds like it's a lot of work or mm-hmm. are we sure we really want to sign up for that? Mm-hmm. Um, everybody just said, okay. Um, and so uh, without much sort of fanfare, we just hired the hall and we got some tables and people came along and played games. It was really it was really great. And it was only sort of, as we did it, we discovered the various other things you have to do, like organizing insurance for the place and organizing, uh, getting uh, various other items lined up, a concession, people want coffee, do they want tea? How many of these cans of drink can we sell? Um, and so that learning curve cost us about a hundred bucks each. Um, in the uh, in the first year, um, and then for the last few years, we've managed to pretty well break even. We made a little bit of money uh, two years ago, uh, which we've now which we then lost again last year. Um, and then uh, this year, we're hoping that we'll uh, not uh, not lose too much money. But um, overall, it's just slowly growing. And I think probably I think probably that's the best way. I think that um, if you're got a, a something you're passionate about, I think that it's very easy to take a look at what the best version of that is and not to try and take a look at what the core of that is. And, and while Gen Con has a massive room of people selling stuff and there's board games and all sorts of other things going on in addition to the role-playing, I think the core of that is you know, role-playing games, playing role-playing games with mm-hmm. people that maybe you don't know. So we focused on that as out of our core and then slowly as time's gone by, we've, we've expanded, that, uh, expanded that part of the expanded what the con offers. Now, now, when I I went to the the convention last year, I played yes. a game with uh, uh, one of the one of the groups there, um, and I noticed that like just in, even on our group, we had some people even from Calgary even that yep. came up to to come to this thing. Yeah. Um, like, can you speak to the, the the people that come to this convention? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's one of the, the the satisfying things or gratifying, I suppose, is, is a better word. Um, we've got, uh, there's at least one lady who um, comes from Vancouver every year. Like, she, came, like she, she plans a holiday around coming to the convention. But um, I wish it weren't the case. But um, we have probably the largest role-playing convention in Alberta. And, and, and our role-playing convention is not that big. The previous largest one was, uh, 
was underground convention. Like there was CalCon, mm-hmm. uh, which in its heyday was certainly much bigger than we are now. And then we had underground con in Calgary. And then that stopped. I think the year that, I think the year that we started was the last year that they were on. And then there's uh, uh, Northern, uh, there's Camp Nerdly North, so Nerdly North, which has around about 50 or 60 people. But, uh, but yeah, so um, we, yeah, we had quite a few people come from Calgary last year. We had people coming from Calgary this year. We've got people coming from basically all along the QE2. Um, and then, as I say, we've also got people coming from Vancouver um, and British Columbia. So, I mean, we're slowly, we're slowly spreading outwards, but, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment to uh, come and, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud that uh, what we offer is sufficient for somebody to want to sort of shell out that amount of money and, and to use their vacation days for the purposes of coming and doing that with us. So, nice. so it's do great. You, do you have any um, new games or what kind of games do you have on the docket? Well, we try to be as, as broad as possible. So, so we've got, um, we've got Kobolds ate my baby, which is a game where, um, where there's, uh, like team chants and uh, very very rules light. So so I know that the, the common perception of, of role playing is that there are a large number of books that you have to read before you can before you can do it. And although that's true for some games, I think that for the most part, um, even if that is the case with the game, people love teaching people how to play games too. So mm-hmm. I think that um, from Cobalt's Ate My Baby, we've got some Fiasco too, which has no no dice really at all in terms of as, as a uh, like a resolution mechanic. Um, and we've got like Dungeons and Dragons. We've got some fifth edition. We've got some first edition. We've got Cthulhu Island, which is a, a Call of Cthulhu game based on Gilligan's Island. We've got um, some far future games. We've got some vampire games. We've got a game about uh, a witch being taken to Lindisfarne Island based in like 1300 and something other games about uh, fighting monsters. We've got some superheroes. We've got some space. Like, that's one of the things that we really, really try to do is make sure that there's something for uh, something for everybody. We, we don't. Uh, there are conventions around that sort of support one particular system, like there, there's, there, but but we try to make it as as broad as we possibly uh, can. And I think once again this year we've we've done that. Well, that's the the thing that I I really liked about the the convention last year is that there was so many various games there, so it was yep. just a matter of what did I want to try? Like, I, I haven't tried this kind of system. I'd love to try that and see what yep. that one is like. Uh, instead of just getting into the same kind of games I always get to play, right? Yep. So you try something different and see if you like it, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's also something, like even if you are if you really, really like the game that you play and you don't really want to play something different, I think that playing with different people will uh, change your perspective on maybe how games could be or change uh, perspective on uh, the sort of, I don't know, ways you could go about even running a game or resolving a conflict in perhaps a slightly different, maybe maybe more interesting way for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, pre-registration, when does that end for you guys? Pre-registration ends tomorrow, so you better get on that if you want to save five bucks. I mean, I, I've got to say, even if you pay the full price, which is $30, I would like you to point me to a convention where you get three days of convention for $30 um, anywhere in the world. Uh, I'm sure there are places where you can. Uh, I'm sure there are places where you can maybe do it for free, but maybe not with the sort of variety uh, that we offer. So, so I don't know what you pay to get in for a day at the expo, but I bet it's a lot more than that. A lot more than that. I just uh, want to clarify. By tomorrow, you were talking about Monday. October. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, yeah, second because this will go to air on Tuesday. Yeah. So, okay, so, so if, you're, if you're listening to this on in your in your audio ears. I tell you what, if this goes out on Tuesday, then we'll, we'll extend the uh, we'll extend the cutoff date until uh, this drops. So we'll, we'll make it Tuesday. How's that? Awesome, thanks. Wow. So if you listen to it on Tuesday, you can save your extra uh, you can save your extra five dollars. We'll allow it just this once. Awesome. Just but you have to be listening to the Northern uh, Nerd uh, podcast in order to be able to take advantage of that extension. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so let me ask you, what kind of games are you going to be uh, playing on during this weekend? Playing probably not many. Well, that's one of the things about uh, about running the uh, the convention. Like we, we always try and figure out areas where there's like maybe games that are not um, there aren't games in a certain genre. And people ask, can we please have this type of game? And then so you know those are the sort of games that I mostly run. I'm running Mouse Guard on uh, on the Friday night where you get to play a bunch of heroic mouse. Uh, Dave Peterson, is it Dave? Anyway, Mouse Guard is a comic uh, and. Uh, there's a game based upon that written by Luke Crane, who's the Burning Wheel um, and Torchbearer, um, Burning Empires 
fellow. So he got together with Dave Peterson and they, they put that game together. Uh, on a Monday, on uh, Saturday morning, I'm running Witch, The Road to Linda's Farm, which is a really great uh, story game, like I say, about the witch going to Linda's Farm, and you get to figure out if the, the witch is really a witch or like if she's just a regular person who appears to have witchly powers. And it's really it's really immersive. It's a fun time. Um, I'm running The Haunted, which is a um, which is a Call of Cthulhu game, sort of like the very the, sort of the proto Call of Cthulhu game. I ran that uh, last year as well. And then I've got a couple of other spots there with some games that I might run. I might run um, Eventide, which is a game that I'm sort of currently got in development right now about people that uh, that fight monsters and uh, almost invariably lose. And uh, I've got another uh, sort of a basic version of Dungeons and Dragons that I might. Uh, roll out as well but uh yeah those are the games that i'm uh, that i'm running this year nice um so for anyone who hasn't gone to IntryCon before yes. do you have to sign do you have to pick the games you want beforehand and sign up or do you just show up and kind of see what's you, happening well, well that's 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 one of the things like uh if you go to uh gen con then there's a really streamlined registration system so you like you like you sign up for your thing and then you pick all your games and so forth but if you go to a convention like uh nerdly north uh, where you, you just show up and bring a game and then once you're there, then you sort of figure it out. And we're sort of somewhere in between. In a perfect world, and, and hopefully next year we'll have this more sort of lined up, um, we have a uh, we'll have an automated system where people can register and then we'll go ahead and put their games in. But right now we're sort of halfway between being super swish and being not very swish at all. So you get to do all of your stuff online in terms of paying for it and seeing what games are available. But then when you get your uh, registration receipt from the registrar, uh, Clint, you um, then just type in the games that you want and uh, we put them in for you. But yeah, next year maybe we'll be fully automated. But having said that, we routinely have about 50% of people that buy registrations and then just figure out what games are running at the time. So there's no need whatsoever to to uh, to have everything lined up before you go. But what people will mostly do is they'll take a look at the games they specifically want to play, they'll register those, and then they'll leave their other spots open just to see which way the wind blows. We We generally... Um, we generally schedule more games than there are uh, people requiring games so that when that when the day rolls around, um, any games that people really, really want to play, uh, they'll be registered for those and they'll get in those. But games where it's, you know what, I'm not sure what I want to do now, it'll depend to an extent what other people decide to do and what their friends, maybe friends have made in other games play. So we like to have a little bit of flexibility there as well. That's great. It's nice to not have to be so rigidly set into... Yeah. It's hard to tell too because it's like... We have our registration open quite early, and, and you may hear about or, or or have played some other games you want. I really want to change it to be in that one, right? And sometimes that's always easiest. Yeah. Yeah, this is the thing. Like when you start playing with other people, and especially with new people and stuff like that, like, you start to make that friendship uh, while you're playing. Yeah. So, I mean, even when you guys are done, you're like, oh, let's try this thing right now, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people that make, make friends when they're there. And as you say, you know, part of, part of the, a big part of the convention is uh is sharing that hobby with with other people like being at a role-playing convention uh, you are surrounded by people that know what role-playing is whereas in your regular everyday life i mean if you collect comic books most people know what comic books are if you're like into board games most people know what board games are and they hate monopoly but they know what it is they know what it's all about but but role-playing games you know like you have to lead the conversation with well you know dungeons and dragons yeah <laughs> uh, i play a game that's actually not very much like that at all <laughs> right. So yeah. So even so. So being in a convention, that's the, the camaraderie. I think is a great part. You don't have to explain to anybody, you know, what it is that you're, uh, what it is that you're into. They, they they understand it and they get it and they're ready to talk about more sort of uh, esoteric elements of it, like what sort of resolution you might like or anything. But um, but yeah, as you say, you make you make friends. You get to pretend to be people that you're not. For some people, it's a good way to get out in public. Um, but be in, a, be in a safe place. You know, a lot of people with social anxiety and so forth that are comfortable around a role-playing table, you know, that's that's where they can go and, and, and have a chance to get out, but also to mingle. Yeah. Uh, when people uh, show up to this event, what are some of the things that you would suggest for them to do or, like, bring with them? Well, we try to make sure we've got everything, um, but uh, there are some people who are very particular about their uh, about their dice. So if you don't have dice, just come and see us, and you can you can borrow some dice. We'll have plenty of those kicking around. Most people at the table they won't mind if you touch it. I think the I think it's a little bit uh, metaphorical, but the best thing that you can bring is uh, is politeness. Really, is what it comes down to. If you come along to a game, like you do not need to know how to play any of these games. 
you just need to know how to share. So if you if you know how to have a conversation and you know when you know it's not always about you, that's really the best thing you bring is, an, is a preparedness to to share and telling a story together and to take your turn to talk and also to uh, encourage other people to talk and be a cheering squad for the other people. There's there's nobody wins. The only the, the it's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true. You know, everybody wins if uh, everybody has a good time. So that's that's really the most important bit. Come along and be prepared to share. That's the the thing about any sort of role playing game is that you you all share in the same story, right? Yeah, uh, and y- y- you're all working together, and so I mean it, it's great. Like that's the that's the nice thing about RPGs, and, and it's one of those things yeah. that if you haven't tried any kind of RPG and you you you're like I don't really know about how to get into this, this is yeah. probably one of those places that absolutely you should go and check out because this Absolutely. is where you're going to learn because there's people there yeah. dedicated to teaching you how everything works. Yeah, and exactly. If you want or are interested in a game, but you're not sure and you don't want to, you know, invest in all the books and everything, that's yeah. a great way to try it out and see if it's worth investing yeah. in too. Yeah. That's, and going back to what I was saying before, like there are conventions which sort of are based around a single system. That's another real advantage of, of IntrigueCon because chances are, Half of the people at the table, some of them might have played role-playing games before, but chances are they haven't played this particular role-playing game. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to be there. You go along to a convention that's, that's geared to, say, just, I don't know, Pathfinder or, or whatever that's really super technical and heavy. You go along to that and you don't know what's going on. Uh, you know, you're not going to be sitting at the table with somebody who's maybe hasn't played before. But but in TreeCon, uh, chances are you'll be playing with people who haven't played before. They'll be learning. Um, and so it's real. It's really a good opportunity to learn not only about role playing games, but to learn learn new games as well. Now you got a, a couple of books here that you sent me. Um, can you can you tell me a little bit about uh, about them? Like uh, you got sure. maybe uh, faith here. Uh, yep. Let's talk about that one. Yeah. Well, the faith is a uh, well. The very first convention I went to was a was a convention called Buckets of Dice, which was the U- Canterbury University in New Zealand uh, role playing. A convention. I went. To, we we set up the first year of that as well. Um, and uh, at that convention, um, I ran. Uh, a friend of mine ran a game called Reservoir Zombies, which was uh, we were right into uh, Quentin Tarantino at the time, and and he ran a game about a whole bunch of uh, cowboys that were that were being hunted down, whatever. I forget exactly what happened, but there were no there were no dice in it or anything like that. We just sort of told the stories went along. At, at that point, if there were any diceless games i certainly hadn't i certainly hadn't played them i thought well, that's that's pretty cool um maybe i'll give that a shot so i wrote a game called a faith and that was like i could say that was 1994 maybe just you know 23 years ago um and i and so i ran that game and it, 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 again still no internet so and back in those days it was um Sort of word of mouth. So I had, for whatever reason, it seemed to strike a chord of people playing playing Faith. And uh, Faith is the name of a it was a town as a town in, in I don't know, Dakota's somewhere. Um, and uh, it's basically a story where you've got a whole bunch of guys that just pulled off a heist and they go to a town and 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 strange things happen. Uh, so it's inspired again by another Tarantino film, which was uh, From Dusk Till Dawn. Uh, but it's not about vampires necessarily. You kind of get to decide that for yourself. Um, and so I played it. Probably twenty or thirty times, people like a, a woman phoned me, asked, phoned me up, who I had no idea she was, and asked me I'd come over to her son's birthday party and run it for him. And I, I didn't know how old the child was. Fortunately, they were a grown up because it's it's probably not well suited to children. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I, I played that, and then I sort of forgot about it. And then about two thousand and twelve. I went to uh, my favorite convention, which is a convention called Big Bad Con in uh, San Francisco, and I played uh, Witch, The Road to Lindisfarne, which is what the game that I'm running here. And, and, and I played it, and I thought, well, hang on a minute. I think I've written a game like that. And so I dug back through my, my, my papers, and fortunately, um, it managed to make the trip from New Zealand to uh, Canada. And I, uh, and I put it together, and I got some artists, and uh, got an editor, and a, a layout person, and I rejuvenated it and uh that's the book that there is there is now so that's that's faith it's a diceless game it's a story game but there's a really strong um there's a strong scaffold that goes with it so if you've never played a role-playing game before it 
it might just be a, a good way to get uh, started for sure. So how do diceless games work then exactly? Well, uh, in a way it's a conversation, like just like uh, I was saying before, you know, you don't talk over people, you, um, you, you have to be prepared to share the spotlight, but you also have to be prepared to sort of see what's the most interesting thing that could that could happen in the game. So, so like if I pull out a, like in, in faith, if you want to, you can use rock, paper, scissors to, to resolve things, but you'd be surprised at how obvious what should happen next is hmm. in a diceless game. You might think you're gonna get two people to want the same thing. And so how are we gonna figure out what happens? But the number of times where it's literally been, okay, rock, paper, scissors uh, is very, very small. And in both those instances, in, in, in those instances, either outcome, has been fine right yeah. so you you would you would be for somebody who thinks that maybe diceless you're just like flying it doesn't work like that at all we all have i mean the basis for story games and for, for playing these games is that we all have these tropes that we're aware of right these like the bomb gets diffused in the last second right you know the 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 sidekick heroically gives up their life at the end to save the hero and make sure that everything goes the way that it's the way that it's supposed to so Everybody has those tropes available to them, and, and people will fall into those roles. They'll know, they'll know what the next thing to do is. It's it's quite, uh, it's quite amazing how that happens. So yeah. The the other one you uh, you have here is uh, Victoria. Yeah, Victoria. The Victoria is the first game I, that I that I yeah, go ahead. I re I really like the the artwork you have throughout the the book here. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the elephant execution is my favorite. Uh, uh, is my favorite story picture, not because I like the idea of people being executed, but that those those things were documented in newspapers by people that illustrated illustrations, right? So back in the day, like newspapers have been around for 100 years, at least 200 years, maybe before there were any such things as photographs. So in order to try and bring those um, and bring those stories to life, people had to draw what it was that they saw and, and there were some incredible illustrators um incredible illustrators at that time and so those illustrations are all from the period right so there's not they're not embellished like nowadays it's very difficult to get a contemporary picture of the victorian era without there being a hint of steampunk about it right mm -hmm. not, not that i have anything against steampunk but there's a such a large library of uh, victorian uh, illustrations that it, it was and and fortunately for me, all in the public domain, so it didn't cost me money to buy the art. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's just such a lot there um, that it was very easy to find uh, good atmospheric pieces, which which helped sort of flesh out what what Victoria would become. So, what is Victoria? Oh, Victoria is a uh, it's a nuts and boltsy type uh, role playing game. It's not it's not super technical. There's not a lot of stuff that you need to know. It's all based on using two six-sided dice, and uh, you uh, play Victorian carriages. You get a chance to, to put on your bad English accent, what, who, and all that, you know, that sort of, uh, that sort of thing, and uh, tell sort of heroic stories, I guess. Um, you are, uh, like, it's influenced a lot in feel, I guess, by um, Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes, the Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, but you can take it whatever way you like. There's a, there's a quote by a chap uh, called Lytton Strahey, who was a comment uh, who wrote commentary about the Victorian era, and he said uh, the the history of the Victorian era will never be written. We know too much about it, right? Because that was right at the time where there's just so much information is available that that it we almost know more about the Victorian era than people alive today know about the 1940s, say, or the 1950s, mm. right? Like you can you can conjure up a Victorian a scene in your mind. And probably have it 99% correct in terms of what things that were happening at that time. But try the same thing with the 1950s. Like, did, did they have small radios then? Like, what sort of cars did they have right then? Like, what, you know, what did, did everybody have a car? Were there pavement? Were there pavements? Like, was there a seal on the road everywhere? What did the cans look like? You know, like you, the sort of little things that that we can fill in in Victorian games is is uh, you know, we know so much about it. And uh, so yeah, it was, it's a nice, uh, easy uh, game to think about setting for. It's a nice, easy thing to to do upper crust characters or or cool blimey, gov straight a light. You know your your um your sort of street urchins and so forth like that. So so yeah, it's uh, it relies heavily on that. And one thing that it has going for it's not uh, there's no hit points. 
uh, for the system. Like uh, you, you will have a, a combat with with somebody, um, and uh, you'll you'll best the more you won't is sort of a first to three type type thing. And there's no there's no death mechanic per se. It's not to say your character couldn't die, but but um, yeah, it's it's pretty pretty lighthearted. I mean, you can make it you can make it tough if you want. You can kill people if you want, but that's not. That's that's sort of not what it's about. It's about investigating and so forth, but no Cthulhu monsters to make you go crazy. <laughs> so, what is your current favorite RPG to play? Uh, I'm really lean towards uh, really leaning towards story story first uh, type games. My uh, my favorite game to play probably uh, is it probably is Witch the Road to Linda's Farm, but it's not the sort of thing you can play every week. Um, so I play it once a year, and that's probably a good amount uh, for me. But uh, I do like the um, like the dungeon world, uh, apocalypse world type type engine, um, but I, I find that uh, less and less as time goes by is about specifically the, the game itself is about the people you're playing with and just having those interesting conversations. I think that a lot of people will say, well, you know, system doesn't matter; it's all about people. Um, and, and to an extent, I think that that's that that's true. But along with that, I think that um, the system will inform. A type of play, like it'll it'll emphasise certain aspects of the game. So so although I think that people are important, I think that um, the way that uh, you play the game will will sort of in a way def- define those relationships and, and what it is that, that uh, you're looking for in a game. Yeah, and that's one of the things about RPGs that I'm finding kind of as a newer player is that you can take the same game and the same characters, and if you have different people playing them, you get a completely different game. Yeah. Absolutely, that's one of the good things about it. they're infinitely replayable, right? That's yeah. that's uh, there's always things to discover because ultimately, I mean, at least as far as I'm I'm concerned, the most interesting thing about any film or any book is the characters, really, and and the representation of those characters uh, when they're played by different people. I think you know that it's unique every time, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why we, you know, there are only six plots, right? Mm-hmm. If you and and but there are unlimited number of of films, and and so consequently, the only thing that's really different. As the characters, or in some cases, even the characterization of that familiar character. So, absolutely, yeah, I think that it's all about character, really. Sure. That's awesome. Well, uh, where can people find IntrigueCon? Where, like, where's all the information? Okay, uh, if you want to find out some more particulars about IntrigueCon, go to IntrigueCon.com. It's as uh, simple as that. We're also available on Facebook too. If you do, if you search for IntrigueCon, you'll find it there. Um, one thing you do need to be aware of, I guess, with Facebook is um, there's things called pages and there are things called groups. Um, so make sure that uh, when you get there, if you go to a page and it's got the IntrigueCon picture there, but it doesn't have the date underneath the colorful dice in which it's IntrigueCon, it means you're at the IntrigueCon page rather than the IntrigueCon group. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg obviously knows what he's doing because he's a multi-billionaire, but um, my feeling is that maybe there's a better way to do that. In any case, yeah, IntrigueCon, if you just do a search for that, there are, I think there are three of them on this entry con 2014 before I discovered that you could do multiple groups, uh, multiple groups of the same name. And, uh, and there's also the page as well. So yeah, entrycon.com and then just click the little blue F and then you can uh, find your way to the, the Facebook page. Awesome. All right. So we're going to take uh, another quick little break and then we'll talk a little bit about some of the upcoming events uh, that are happening in the city here. Sure. Okay, so like I said before, the Northern Nerdcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. And if you go right now to albertapodcastnetwork.com, you'll find a list of just the most amazing podcasts uh, ever made in Alberta. Just going to say that right now. Um, And we just keep growing, right? Uh, Like I said earlier uh, in the show, we had our launch party. We're now part of the CKUA app. So you can find us there. Uh, but aside from that, uh, we have so many members in the podcast network right now, like the Fourth Line Podcast, Bollywood is for Lovers, the Broadcast, Don't Call Me a Guru, the Expat Podcast, the For Kicks Podcast, High Level Showdown, I Have Some Notes, the Loyal Company of the River Valley, Modern Manhood, Northern Nerdcast, Not There Yet, and Seen and Heard in Edmonton, That's So Maven, Tight Ends Podcast, and the Work Not Work Show. Done. <laughs> Uh, yes, you can find all those amazing podcasts right there on the Alberta Podcast Network.com. Uh, and like I said, we are part of the CKUA app right now. So go check that out. 
Alberta Podcast Network. Smooth. All right. So like I said earlier, we have uh, some events that are coming up. Uh, one of them is being IntrigueCon. The main one coming up, IntrigueCon, right? I mean, I know you guys have to be nonpartisan, but I'm just going to put it out there and say, come to IntrigueCon. Did anything else on that weekend is not important? IntrigueCon is where it's at. <laughs> Um, but we, we do have another uh, sort of uh, RPG pen and paper night um, for other people who like RPGs and may not be able to make it. Um, and that's oh, on no. October 2nd, which is tomorrow. Which is, yes. which is before... <laughs> that's a problem. Yeah, so before... <laughs> so get you, bust out your time machine. Cares, you are not going to be able to get to this. Mm. But, but for the people watching this, and this is, yes. this is what you get... When you come and you watch this thing live, you get yeah, this. Exactly. You get the the information. information. Yes. Uh, so if you, I mean, this is happening at the Gamers Lodge, and this is happening all the time. Yeah, Gamers uh, Lodge is every week, right? Every week on uh, Monday night, they have gaming from seven p.m. Yep. There we go. Uh, so yeah, the Gamers Lodge. Uh, drop in pen and paper night. Uh, go check that out. Uh, moving along, we have Lady Geek Night uh, happening uh, again now. This October. We're getting into the the whole horror uh, Halloween thing. So they got the Women in Horror panel. Uh, and this is happening at Happy Harbor Comics on Thursday, October 5th from 7 to 10. Uh, and uh, so that is that is happening. Uh, Lady Geek Night, always an awesome time. How would you know? Uh, I don't know personally, <laughs> but I've talked to the ladies. And they always seem to have a great time. And they always come up with some really interesting things to talk about. I don't think you have to be a lady to go, do you? No, you don't. Um, it is uh, preferred if you do bring a lady with you. Mm. Gotcha. Right? Uh, so that's it's that. It's not a mixer. It's, it's not a mixer. It's not about you. Just if you, if you feel like you have to go. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not going to turn you away. Is that, That's the way. It... If you're into ladies in horror. Yeah. Uh, so, and then uh, moving on. Way into November here, uh, we got game day happening. Uh, this is Edmonton's largest 24-hour gaming marathon hosted by Extra Life Edmonton. Um, if you guys love to just support uh, the Edmonton Stollery, this is a great way to do it. Uh, we, the Northern Nerd Network, has a team uh, for this. Uh, so if you want to go to thenorthernnerdnetwork.com, click on the links. You guys can support us. Uh, that would be fantastic. So it's not just supporting us; it's supporting the stollery. The stollery, right? And Let's do it for the children. And it's that's right. Yeah. <laughs> good kids, good kids. Or join and come yeah. and play games for twenty four hours. Yeah. Uh, I I believe it's fifty dollars that you need to to raise just to go to the event, uh, and you get to hang out with like a whole bunch. Like like there's hundreds of gamers. They bring their setups. Um, this is happening, I believe, at the Epcor Tower this year. Uh, and they got one of the, the whole floor, uh, I believe. Uh, yeah, Epcor Tower. Uh, and they got the whole floor, uh, and it's going to be amazing. So check that out. Uh, Extra Life Edmonton uh, game day. Uh, moving along into November as well. Uh, November 17th, we got the Alberta North Pop Culture and cosplay extravaganza. Uh, and this is happening all the way in Beaumont. Uh, and I know we were talking about this on our panel uh, at the Edmonton Expo, uh, but this is, I, I now have it up on our website. So if you go to northernnerdnetwork.com, you guys can check that out uh, for more information on the Alberta North pop culture and cosplay extravaganza. Uh, not oh, much. You guys get on get on the uh, the Anthony Hendo drive and, and go around there. It's, it takes no time to get to Beaumont. If you're into yeah. that stuff, you should make that move for sure. It's actually uh, I I went out there not too long ago and and they do like it's it's not that far. It's it's really it's fifteen minutes. It's pretty quick. Uh, and that's that's all the the events I got uh, lined up here. Uh, Dan, I want to thank you so much for coming out uh, tonight. And it's my pleasure. Us. Uh, this has been great. Uh, uh, can you tell us one more time where people can register, get all the details? Go to intriguecon.com. 
and uh, if you click the little button there that says register, then they'll take you to uh, PayPal, and you can you can hand your money over there. Uh, it's at the Queen Alexandra Community League Hall, which is right in the middle of the city, so it's very convenient for everybody. Uh, it is running from October the 13th to the 15th, and if you're watching this live or listening to this on the podcast, uh, you can get in for 25 bucks if you get in before October the 3rd. After that, it'll be $30. And uh, you won't regret spending an extra $5 if you find out about this a little later on, later on because uh, it's a good time. It's the best role-playing convention in, uh, in Edmonton. In Alberta, probably. Probably the best. Maybe, maybe even the world. I mean, yeah. who am I to say? I've been yeah. to them all, but I think ours is the best. Just, we're the, we're the greatest podcast in the universe. So, I mean, technically. Oh, I mean, oh yeah, the universe, right. I should have gone bigger, shouldn't I? The you multiverse. Gotta, you gotta think big, right? Okay, Nick, it's best convention in the multiverse. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> all right, so thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, I want to thank everybody out there for uh, watching and or listening to this show. And I want to ask everyone, if you like this, uh, to share it with your friends on social media. The Northern Nerdcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and is produced along by myself, along with Chelsea Thompson, Trina Schessel. Uh, and you can also find more information on the Northern Nerd Network by checking us out on Twitter at Northern underscore nerd, on Facebook at facebook.com slash Northern Nerd, uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash Northern Nerd Network, or on our very own website, northernnerdnetwork.com. Well, that's all the time we have. I want to thank everybody again for listening, and I'll see you guys on the next. Next one.